You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. If instead Putin doubles down, then so shall we, further ratcheting up economic pressure and supporting Ukraine with finance. Sanctions have to be as powerful as they can possibly be. We will be pushing the government to go further and faster. We could have a massive miscalculation and we will then be in a full-scale war across the globe. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Now, coming up on today's programme, we'll speak to the Conservative MP for Wellingborough, Peter Bone. And as a windfall tax on energy company profits is mooted, we'll interview the industry body Offshore Energies UK. It's a grey day in London today. Beyond the weather, the Cabinet Office has confirmed that Number 10 has now received copies of Sue Gray's report into lockdown rule-breaking at Downing Street. Environment Secretary George Eustace has been doing the rounds on the morning programmes. He says that the boundary between what was acceptable and what wasn't got blurred, and that was a mistake. Meanwhile, facing Keir Starmer in the Commons at Prime Minister's questions, Boris Johnson is expected to make a statement to the House about this long-awaited report. This evening, then, he'll address backbench Tory MPs at the 1922 committee. But something else, of course, for the government to address, the soaring cost of living a day after the energy regulator said that bills will rise by another 40% in October. Johnson says that he's preparing new measures to help. Policies could be announced later this week as Downing Street tries to move on from Partygate. Well, let's discuss today's big issues with our first guest, Peter Bone, Conservative MP for Wellingborough. Peter, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Westminster. Now, Downing Street staff told the BBC's Panorama programme of regular wine time Fridays and of parties going on so late that some people ended up staying in Downing Street all night. Do you not think that the blame for all of this egregious rule-breaking just has to lie with the Prime Minister? Well, I don't think that. I do know, because it's just come up on the screen in the House of Commons, that in one hour and 25 minutes, the uh, Prime Minister will be making a statement in the House on the report. I haven't seen the report. It hasn't yet been published. And I'm, I'm happy to wait until I see the report to find out what happened in Downing Street. But, of course, we know from a very extensive investigation by the police that uh, Boris wasn't uh, at what uh, people have been calling parties in Downing Street. Uh, okay, but he was fined um, by the police for at least one instance. Yeah, that fine related to him walking into where he thought he was going to have a meeting, and some surprised him with a, a, a birthday cake and a Tupperware uh, a Tupperware package, and uh, he was there for nine minutes. And the police said, "Ah, well, that actually wasn't working," so therefore. 
uh, we're going to slap a fine. But nobody would suggest seriously that that was a party. Okay, so what about the photographs that were all over the front pages that ITV got uh, of glass in hand, lots and lots of bottles? I mean, everybody in the country has seen those photographs of the Prime Minister. That's surely hugely damaging. Well, the the photograph that published uh, was quite pixelated in many respects, but you could see the Prime Minister's red box from which the Prime Minister does his work. Uh, His explanation was he walked past the room, there was a work event going on, somebody was leaving and he went in for a few minutes and only for a few minutes and spoke and left. And uh, the investigation by the police cost half a million pounds, had 12 detectives on it, and went over many weeks. And they decided clearly that that was not uh, a party that the, the Prime Minister attended. So I'm very happy to accept the view of the police. What sort of reception do you think the Prime Minister will get from backbench Tory MPs this evening? We, we, we do speak to you know, a number of Conservatives on the, on the programme, and, and some, I think, are more concerned that, that, than, perhaps, than perhaps you are. What do you think will be the, the consensus as to the PM's, the PM's uh, behaviour? Well, the overwhelming uh, view of the Conservative members of Parliament is to support the Prime Minister, but everyone's interested to know from the Sue Gray report what was actually going in, happening in in Downing Street when the Prime Minister wasn't about. There were some parties apparently going on when the Prime Minister wasn't there. And who was actually responsible for running the day-to-day affairs in Parliament and and what action is going to be taken against those? So I think that's the thing that the report will tell us. And I don't think that will reflect on the Prime Minister, but it might well reflect on the people who were running the day-to-day operations in Mm. Downing Street. But I'm, I'm speculating. I promise not speculate on this report so I've only got less than an hour and a half to go so perhaps I ought to wait until it comes out. Um, okay, well, just a couple of points though. Downing Street is still going to end up being the most fined address in the UK for lockdown parties. And there does seem to be, doesn't there, some level of anger in terms of, you know, as you say, the, the staff running the day-to-day operations, the more junior uh, people involved in government versus, you know, the more senior leadership, including the Prime Minister. Just as there is a kind of rift and some anger across the nation about whether rules were being adhered to as closely, uh, you know, in Downing Street as they were perhaps in people's homes and, and offices across the country. That There's a real divide here, and it's about taking personal responsibility, surely. Well, first of all, on, on the second one, I think long ago the public's moved on to the grave issues that are facing the country, not least the, the war in Europe, unbelievable war in Europe at this time, um, the economic uh, crisis that we and other European nations have got, the, the problem of uh, illegal crossings from France uh, by migrants, and they're looking for the government to solve those problems. I mean, they've long past worried about the, 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 these events in Downing Street. However, for us in Downing for us in Westminster, it's very important to know who was in charge of the day-to-day running of Downing Street, and why did, why did they allow these parties to occur? I mean, that shouldn't have happened. And, and, and that's the key issue, and I Again, I'd say I won't speculate, so let's wait until the report. But I think that's what people will be reacting to later on today. Um, But as for the Prime Minister, uh, he should be judged on how he's handled the running of the country. And I think if you look at the local government elections in England anyway, um, particularly outside of London, uh, we did very well against the Labour Party. So um, I, I think there's a, you know, what we talk about sometimes in the media and what people are talking about in the high street in Wellingborough, can be totally different.
Well, I, th- I think it was a bit of a mixed picture in, in the elections, but there will be an, there will be another test very soon. Of course, we have two by-elections, one in the marginal seat, Wakefield, and one in the less one in the very safe seat in, in Devon. Do you think the Tories are going to hold both those elections? Well, I certainly hope they do, but um, by-elections mid-term are normally when the, the government in power um, gets voted against. Uh, so it'll be very... I mean, that's a difficult backdrop for any by-election, um, but I, I think... Um, we, we've got two good candidates and uh, sometimes though, these by-elections are, are not based on uh, the area but trying to, to just send a message to the government that you wanted them to do this or that. So we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I'm, I should be up in Wakefield uh, on Friday and Saturday to help our candidate. Um, OK, so that on the by-elections. Well, I, and no doubt uh, those voters will also be thinking about the cost of living. Uh, there is noise now that uh, the Chancellor will enact some kind of windfall tax on energy companies, um, either with or without the kind of power generators. Are you comfortable with that? I've never never necessarily been against a windfall tax because <clears throat> there are extraordinary circumstances occasionally when they're justified. I have to say, though, um, energy companies pay a windfall tax every year because they pay 40% of their profits in in tax. So uh, there's automatically a a higher tax rate for them. But what's important is that the chances that come forward, and I hope sometime this week, with measures that are going to help people, especially those that are less well off, with their energy bills. Off Jim say we're going to see a 40% hike in those bills mm. in mm. October. Mm. It's reported that a number of Conservative MPs are unhappy at, at more taxpayers' money being thrown at this uh, undoubted problem. Are, are you one of those Conservative MPs who's, who's a bit cautious about that? I haven't actually heard that. I think from across, if you like, across the the Tory party, whether it's from the right or the left, and I'm, I'm, I'm from the right, there is support for giving those people who are the least well off support. I think that's always been a conservative principle, that we look after those people who really need help. Um, so I, I think the, I like the trick, if that's the right word, for the Chancellor is to make sure whatever he does reaches the right people and that it's uh, done in a, in a sensible way. And I'm, I'm hope, as I say, we're, we're on Wednesday. I'll be today. Parliament rises tomorrow. So I hope tomorrow the Chancellor comes forward with with those plans, but we, 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 we have to act because, you know, 40% rise in energy prices for someone, you know, it's not something you can avoid, you have to pay those, uh, those mm. costs, but we, we should be helping people who are less well off. Um, there could be another big kind of cloud uh, over the summer, which is the RMT union. Uh, talking about the largest strike in rail history, they had close to 90% in the 40,000 balloted members uh, voting in favour of strike action. Uh, there's a real danger that it could be the first of many, that this could be a hugely chaotic rail summer just when we're trying to come back from the virus. Yes, I think it's irresponsible by the rail unions, but they will do what they will do and I think the public will react uh, against the unions if they go on strike. Um, it, it does, after going, first of all, we had the dreadful pandemic and that yeah. hit the railways really hard, of course, and now yeah. we, you know, we come out of that and then we have this terrible war in Europe. The idea but the unions want fair pay. The argument that the RMT is making is that they want fair pay and no redundancies. I mean, that may gain quite a lot of sympathy with squeezed households well, in the country. We shall see. I don't think it will. I don't think that is the case at all. I think it's wholly irresponsible at this time to be going on strike. 
Do you think there's a danger that there'll be more strikes as uh, the cost of living really starts to bite in lo- in lots of other sectors? I don't think there'll be strikes, but I, uh, what what what's got to happen is that we manage this crisis and. Clearly, there would have been a crisis with COVID alone, but having the war in Europe as well, and I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but actually that mm-hmm. is the most serious thing. I mean, people are dying in Europe and the war's going on. I mean, rightly so, the prime minister has led the European response in support of Ukraine, and, and, and Ukraine has to be supported and we have to end the war. Um, yes. But that, that might be many, many months away and people are dying at this time and but to be honest, when, when people are going to spend all day talking about a party that happened back two years ago, I think I think my constituents would say, well, you're, you're not concentrating on the right thing. But. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics then. So price rises for the poorest households in the UK will reach 14% later this year. That is twice the inflation rate of wealthier individuals, according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies. Those figures add to pressure, of course, on the government and on Chancellor Rishi Sunak to extend more help to households. 
Well, Britain faces the threat of a national train strike and a transport meltdown this summer. Members of the RMT balloted some some 40,000 rail workers. Almost 90% approved industrial action in a dispute over pay and job cuts. A spokesman for the Department for Transport told the BBC it was hugely disappointing and premature. The RMT wants a guarantee of no compulsory firings together with a new pay deal as household costs spiral. And, of course, the sale of Chelsea Football Club is being approved to a US investor Todd Bowley has got the nod from the government so the clearance now of this £4.25 billion sale by the Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich ends months of uncertainty for all the fans and the staff of the London club. Well, Pfizer has today said that it will sell its entire portfolio of brand name drugs at cost in as many as 45 lower income countries. The initiative's to start in five African nations with drugs for cancer, rare illnesses, inflammatory conditions and infectious diseases. The plan is one of the most comprehensive drug access programmes ever announced by a large pharma company. OK, so some interesting stories to consider. But let's turn our attention now to electricity generators, because apparently they could escape windfall taxes that are being considered by the government. Energy firms are coming under pressure for posting huge profits whilst customers pay rising bills, deepening the cost of living crisis in Britain. And I'm pleased to say that joining us on the programme is Ross Dornan, who is Market Intelligence Manager at Offshore Energies UK. Uh, Ross, you represent, therefore, the oil and gas and offshore wind firms, uh, you know, off the coast of Scotland uh, and across the UK. So I'm very interested to get your view on this live issue. So power generators may not be included, but it looks like the profits of oil and gas firms may be taxed. What sort of level of taxation do you think the industry is expecting? Have you got a ballpark figure? Uh, Good morning. It's good to be with you on the show. Um, I think just to set some context, this is an awful situation right up and down the country where so many people are really struggling with, with the cost of living situation. Um, which has largely been driven by by high energy prices around the world. So rightfully, we have a focus on affordability at the moment. And our industry is, is though, and it's important to know, is helping to contribute towards, towards this situation in terms of overcoming these challenges. We're already paying significantly more tax as a sector. We, we're taxed at a rate of 40% as a headline rate, which is more than double that across other parts of the economy. And within this current regime, we are paying more tax, about £8 billion this year. That's 20 to £25 million a day in taxes, which is double what we paid last year and 20 times what we paid the year before that because of the high prices and the, the extra profits that, that companies are, are, are making. So we're paying more tax, we're increasing investments, and we're also providing valuable jobs to 200,000 people up and down the country. So alongside the focus on affordability, though, we need to have a think about a real careful think about energy security and sustainability into the future. And to achieve those aims, we're going to need to see massive investment across the economy. And, and the government's office for budget responsibility think that actually something in the region of one trillion pounds is going to need to come from the private sector oh. in the coming decades. And to attract that level of investment, companies and investors have to have confidence in the UK. And I think knee-jerk fiscal changes like what's being proposed won't be positively viewed by investors. And that could, I think, in time undermine the confidence investors have in their ability to want to work in the UK economy and and help develop the energy supply supply and and emissions reduction systems that we're going Mm -hmm. to need to see for the decades to come. 
Ross, it, it would be fair to say though that there has been an enormous windfall for the sector. That I mean, that's you know the, the tax is is called that for a reason. You know, at the back end of last year, Brent crude was at uh, uh, seventy five dollars a barrel. We're now at one hundred and fifteen dollars a barrel, and that is money not for the investment you've done. It's not money for hard work. It's just uh, it just happens to be a windfall that the, the sector has uh, has has landed in the sector's uh, land, landed at the sector's lap. Some of our member companies you mentioned, you mentioned some there are have reported higher profits in in, in recent months, uh, the last six months or so. We have to though recognise a couple of things around that. It's within the UK. Um, a lot the, 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 these companies, you know, the, the the profits are reporting are generally global in nature, and the UK is often only a small proportion of those of those businesses maybe 5% of their global oil and gas production coming in the UK. So the, the, the level of profits we're talking about are largely being taxed in other parts of the world already. And we, all, we also have to think about the really difficult time this industry's had in the last five years. We've come off the back of really low commodity prices where the, the UK industry has been marginal at best. And some of the household names who have reported large profits in the, in the last six months, just back in 2020, posted some of the the largest corporate losses ever seen in UK corporate history. Mm. So we have to take that into account um, when we're looking at when we're looking at company positions. But also, as these companies are making more money because of the way the tax regime works in the UK, uh, oil and gas industry, they are paying more taxes. Um, they're paying more than double this year than what they paid last year because they're making more money. That yeah. is a windfall coming to Treasury. And over the next five years, they're actually predicted to pay something like £13 billion more than the previous forecast because of the higher commodity prices. That's a windfall that's already coming to Treasury that the government should really think about how they want to direct that to help ease the cost of living crisis. No, and I understand. But look, the the conversation, though, is at the, that a windfall tax may well be imminent. That seems to be the reporting around this issue. So I can I can understand that the industry has become much sharper and, um, you know, I think in some senses better at managing expectations and, and trying to put across the industry's view. But if a windfall tax is to come, what kind of ballpark figure um, do you think would be the kind of number that that Treasury might be looking at? Is it 10, 20% of annual profits? Is it a turnover tax? I mean, what I suppose what would be most difficult for the industry to swallow? I, I think I think it's really difficult to say what 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 is um what, what what's going to come. I, you know, as you mentioned, it, there there's been increasing reports that a change is coming. Our position is still that it's that's. It's, it's not a good policy move. What we need to see right now is, is thoughtful policy, which helps address the current cost of living crisis because it does need it does, it does need support. But also having that focus on the future. You know, if we undermine the investor confidence through 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 changes to the um, changes to the uh, the fiscal regime, um, how, how can companies who are looking to spend hundreds of billions of pounds in the UK economy in the coming years have confidence on the conditions that they're investing in? So that, that, I think that's the real challenge that we're facing, the fundamental challenge. Mm. You need thoughtful policy, which takes all of these uh, considerations into account when we're looking to create the energy system of the future, which will help address affordability alongside our energy supply security and, uh, and alongside, um, uh, alongside the need to reduce emissions, which our industry is, is fully committed to. So I think Ross, when, uh, the, when the government are looking to make decisions, these are the things that really need to be taken into account to make sure they don't undermine the confidence that companies have in the UK system. 
Rossi, are you happy at the support you've had and some of the rhetoric that comes from politicians at Westminster and indeed at Holyrood? We do, we do often we do often speak to MPs and MSPs who are quite negative about about more drilling in the North Sea. Yeah, so what we've seen actually from the UK government in the last year, year or so, is actually supportive um, messaging and um, policies toward, towards the sector. I think they, they understand the important role of the oil and gas sector in the UK. It provides 75% of all the energy that we use on a day-to-day basis in the UK. And as we even look to the future, it's going to continue to have a really important role because you know it's, the oil and gas sector is so ingrained in our everyday lives. It's 33 million petrol and diesel cars on the road. It's 40% of our electricity from gas. It's 85% of our homes having, having gas heating. And what we see from policymakers in, in the UK government is they understand this. They understand the role that the oil and gas industry has uh, in helping to really drive the UK economy. Um, so we are we're, we mm. recognise that support. You know they've worked with us in the North Sea transition deal, and all okay. they continue to work with us in a, in a positive way. And um, the, the, the fiscal regime is, is is such an important part of the investment proposition that companies that work within the UK industry take to international investors to make them want to come okay. and spend their money here. Do you, Do you think there are going to be more barrels extracted out of the North Sea this year than last year? So last year, we, we, we did see some issues with production. We've seen some extended shutdowns um, that were planned. Uh, and we've seen some issues that were hangover, really, from the lack of investment that we've seen within COVID. So, you know, we are hopeful that production performance would be better this year. Companies are looking to respond to the UK government's challenge to try and increase production um, in, in line with the challenges with international markets and trying to limit imports of energy from Russia. But it, it sometimes does take some time. Um, you know, the, the, the projects that companies are looking to put in place can, can take some years. Um, but there is some things that we, we are looking to do that might be able to, to increase our output by maybe something like 5% uh, across this year. But it's okay. really when we look forward is the real opportunity to manage our, manage our output in line with how we expect demand to evolve in the UK. And the decisions that are going to impact on the supply in five years' time are being made now. Um, yeah. And so we need to make decisions now that are going to impact the future in a positive way. Ross, you've talked about thoughtful policy is what you want to see out of Westminster. What do you think that would be right now? Would it be increasing gas storage? Is it about insulating homes? It's about building more onshore wind power? Or as you say, is it about those decisions, how many barrels are extracted from the North Sea? So I think it's a range of things which uh, focus on the here and the now and focus on the the energy system of the future. You, I mean, as you probably expect me to say, I think a thoughtful policy move would be to to fully recognise and understand the impact that a change to the tax regime might have on investor confidence, um, but when we look, to, you know, when we look to the future, yeah. there, there are things. You know, there's there's some some regulatory um, streamlining um, which is required. Um, when, you know, we look at we want to see a massive increase in wind power. We want to see creation of hydrogen systems, carbon capture systems, and oil and gas systems all working together. They'll have different regulatory regimes. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.